0: So there are a couple of issues. Number one, there's a stigma around seeking uh, mental health services. So today, in order for me to treat you, I have to have a diagnosis code to build. And so for me to have a diagnosis code, that means you have a diagnosis. And people are still very stigmatized around having diagnosis codes, especially, or diagnosis. They don't know the code per se, Uh, but especially in the African-American community. So there are families, there are, you know, other cultures that have embraced this work in the Black community. We struggle with diagnosing um, specifically around mental health.
1: Welcome to the Egg Gap Evolution Podcast. I'm your host, Mariah Phillips. You can call me Mariah because that's my name. And I'm thrilled to have you on this journey with me and all of the spectacular guests who jump on the podcast to give you more options for educating children so that children have more options for building a magnificent future. The Egg Gap Evolution Podcast is a digital community where parents, educators, and innovators drop the details on how they are using their lives to help children explore the vastness of education beyond the textbook so that we can close America's education gap together. And just in case you didn't get the memo, producing a podcast is a whole lot of work. We're talking schedule coordination, production, the list goes on and on. So in return for bringing you this show every week, we just ask that you always find a way to share and use what you learn on the podcast to enrich children and families everywhere. Alrighty, without further ado, come along with me to meet our very next guest. Dr. Andrea J. Boudreaux is a committed healthcare executive, medical psychologist, and currently serves as executive director for Children's School Services, a subsidiary of Children's National Hospital, where she oversees 200 school-based clinics addresses the needs and improves health outcomes and access for 90,000 children across the District of Columbia. In 2022, Dr. Boudreaux was named as one of Martin Healthcare's top 10 diversity leaders to watch. She has spent her entire career championing for equity and access, and prior to joining Children's National Hospital, she worked with national health systems like HCA, Kaiser Permanente, Triad Hospitals, and Catholic Health Initiatives in senior leadership roles where she led organizational transformation, prioritized equity, and integrated mental and behavioral health into primary care. She's an honors graduate of Howard University, for all my Howard alums, <laughs> and Texas A&M University Health Science Center for all my Texas A&M alums, and clearly a dedicated clinician who recognizes the plight of minorities in both mental and physical health. Dr. Boudreaux, in a minute, we'll explore equality versus equity when it comes to minorities navigating the U.S. healthcare system and steps listeners can take to more effectively advocate for themselves and their families to receive higher quality healthcare services. But first, let's talk a bit about your journey. What inspired you to enter the healthcare field at the start of your career?
0: I have been interested in healthcare my entire life. Uh, In fact, as a child, I don't remember my great grandfather calling me Andrea, he called me Doc. Uh, So I knew I would always be in healthcare. Uh, My plan was to be in practice. This transition to the administration side came because I was so frustrated with our system, how broken it was, and how difficult it was for my patients to come to see me. So I said, let me step away from practice and knowing the challenges that my patients saw that I experienced uh, and move into a space where I can ensure that providers have the resources The policies and the ability to serve their patients.
1: It's frustrating, like for all of us and for you to be able to like have a hand in making change, like actual change, you know, every single day. Um is very special. And um mental health therapy is another form of health care, just like a primary care doctor or like a cardiologist or dermatologist. Um, but according to Nami, one in five adults experience mental illness and more than 60 million adults and children are living with untreated mental health conditions. And I know that now you are on the administrative side of healthcare, um, but for a while you you are clinically licensed to provide um, mental health treatment services, correct? Correct. Yeah, so I'm wondering, um, what are some common reasons why mental health conditions go untreated? And I'm wondering too, like along with that, um, is there any correlation between how you observe the healthcare system is managed and why those things go untreated, or is it totally separate?
0: You know, it's so interesting. I literally had this conversation yesterday. Uh, we're planning a regional mental health summit uh here at Children's National and uh in partnership with uh, Care CareFirst. And that summit, I was speaking to one of our uh invited speakers uh who we're outreach. Uh, outreach is going out to uh, bring them on. Uh, And this is exactly what we talked about. So there are a couple of issues. Number one, there's a stigma around seeking uh, mental health services. So today, in order for me to treat you, I have to have a diagnosis code to build. And so for me to have a diagnosis code, that means you have a diagnosis and people are still very stigmatized around having diagnosis codes, especially, or diagnosis, they don't know the code per se, uh, but especially in the African-American community. So there are families, there are you know, other cultures that have embraced this work in the black community. We struggle with diagnosing um, specifically around mental health. We rally around oncology. And so if you're a leukemia patient, there are so many resources, so many things that we offer. But for the child with ADHD, the child with depression, with anxiety, with separational anxiety disorder, those diagnoses uh, are are stigmatized in our community. And so in order for me to treat you, I have to give you a diagnosis and families don't want that. Uh, Number two, um, we still have a challenge with, uh, there's, there's a law called healthcare parity. Uh, that act was uh, put into place to say that there cannot be regulations uh, for mental health that are more stringent than those for uh, typical med surge care. So what you are able to get in primary care, you should be able to get in mental health. And we cannot put regulations or stipulations around access or delivery of care. Uh, while that's in, that is the law of the land, it's not the practice of the land. And so we do have quite a few things that make it difficult for patients to get to us. Uh, We have, um, uh, there are not as many providers available um, and organizations are not required to have mental health services. Uh, Health plans are required to cover at a certain cost and a certain percentage. And, and so again, the law says that they can't put regulations and stipulations, uh, but there are so many, there's so much red tape. Uh, so I'm told how many sessions I can treat you. I'm told when and how, what it looks like if it's severe versus if it's mild, where I can treat you, what venues I can treat me. So those wow. things make it difficult. And so even if the if the insurance company says, okay, we'll cover this outpatient care, uh, the organization has to say, "Okay, it's an investment that we want to make to offer this outpatient care," uh, and so there are just so many challenges. Um, I often talk. Uh, I started my career uh, in for-profit healthcare at uh, with Hospital Corporation of America, and I tell people, "I know how to speak mission and CFO. I'm bi. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 bilingual," and so. <laughs> In that, I say that because you have to be able to show the organization how to make this make financial sense as well. I know there's no question about some of the other services, but mental health does not bring the revenue that other service lines do. And so that's another challenge for bringing it into the care delivery system. The final piece of challenge in getting access to care are the providers, they're just not enough providers, um, to be able to serve uh, the need in the community.
1: Got you, there are like eight trillion questions I'd like to ask <laughs> after that, that. Answer, however, <laughs> I'll pick like two. Okay. Um, so, why though, why do you think, um, there's like this, why do you think a lot of African-Americans don't want to be diagnosed? Like, is it, um, why is that? Because I mean, I know personally, um, personally, I've been through, uh, mental health services. I think, I think it's great. However, it can be scary. Um, but I, you know, once you do get diagnosed, whatever it is, it's like, you can work with it, you know, Mm -hmm. but what, from a perspective, having, um, Having been in clinical licensed before, and just what you have seen or maybe heard from people, what is that thing that that makes it so scary to receive a diagnosis?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a fear of what how people will treat you after knowing uh, that mm-hmm. you have this weakness. Uh, for so many mental illness has been thought of as a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been uh, it has been demonized in the public, right? So when you think about uh, when anytime there is a, sh- a, a mass shooting, that's the first thing people say, oh, he has mental illness, mm. right? And so I said, listen, not one of my patients has ever shot up a school, a, right. a, a community theater, a store, a church, none of my patients. And all of my patients had severe mental illness, uh, and so we have demonized mental illness. And so the, the the population at large sees it as, when you think of the homeless population and the person on the street, the the, the person in the park uh, that's pushing a basket and wearing three coats in the middle of the summer. You, yeah. you That's the picture of mental illness that we have given. Uh, that's the face of mental illness is that schizophrenic person in the park, uh, mm-hmm. the homeless person. And, and now these uh, mass shooters. Uh, and so we have made it a demonized place. And so we see it as a sign of weakness and a sign of, of, of negativity. And so no one wants to deal with that. It's something that you should be able to deal with on your own. You don't necessarily need someone to help me. Uh, and so th- those are the two um, poles that we have, right? Pray it away. I'm a woman of faith, so you can either pray it away or deal with it on your own. That's something we don't want to talk about, or we have demonized it. Either way, it's not something that we ought to be paying for, uh, or or speaking about publicly.
1: Got you. That makes a whole lot of sense. Um, as far as like why it's such a thing that a lot of African Americans still jump away from, and um, I know that it's inappropriate to divulge, you know, someone's entire experience, but. Can you maybe share an example of like someone or a situation of somebody who may have had a mental illness and, and decided to get treated? Was there is there a specific mm-hmm. um life improvement that you can point to from somebody that you may have worked with in the past or a story you've heard of?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so everyone, I am a pediatric psychologist by background and training. Every one of my patients, their lives have turned around. I'm thinking of a child who I've worked with um, and in, let's see, he was a patient of mine in 2013 uh, at a residential facility. Um, and in 2022, I get a LinkedIn message from this child saying, hey, um, how are you just checking in? I saw you on LinkedIn. Cause you know, sometimes I try and post and do, you know, different things there. And so the algorithm brought us together. Now we are oh, not connected God. on LinkedIn, but the algorithm, he saw me on LinkedIn and reaches out and tells me all the things that are going on. He's graduated from college, uh, okay. in the workforce. And so all of my patients, I think, um, uh, because I'm in pediatrics, I get to truly impact Children's National. Uh just we just celebrated Nurses Week and, and we gave out tumblers as part of our uh gifts. Uh and one of the, t- the tumblers says, in pediatrics, that's the only place that you can impact the lifetime. Uh, mm-hmm. and so as a pediatric psychologist, every one of my patients, I got to change their life's trajectory
2: that's beautiful. Uh, because
0: we got to touch them. So Uh, there's not that was one story but i could tell you every patient i I served uh, while i was in practice um, had similar stories not because i'm so great uh, but because the work is so necessary i'm good at what i do (laughs) (laughs) it's the work it's the work right you know it's getting access to the therapy and understanding and being able to shift your trajectory uh is what i think has made for uh, some amazing outcomes for their patients.
1: Yes, and for those listening, I mean, um, to hear what Dr. Boudreau just said about um, getting to impact a lifetime by starting those mental health services on at the pediatric stage and changing the trajectory of a child's life. And if you're an adult, changing the trajectory of your life, if that's something that you're interested in doing, the answer could be, you know, um, reaching out to a mental health professional provider Sometimes in life, you just deal with things. And like you were saying, Dr. Boudreaux, can be like, oh, well, I'm going to figure it out by myself. And it's like, well, there are also, what, 7 billion plus people on the planet. So maybe there are some <laughs> things you aren't meant to deal with by yourself. It does. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> you know, I used to always tell people, my church, uh, during the month of October, we bring up a mobile mammography unit and we celebrate My pastor puts on a pink tie. One year he had a pink Bible. Like, you know, we celebrate uh breast cancer awareness. I'm a two-time breast cancer survivor. And everybody uh, have you gotten your have you gotten your mammogram? Are you how you doing? How you feeling? You going to the doctor? Everyone wants to ask those questions. Um, and we celebrate that as a culture, right? No one asks you if you feel alone to go pray about it. We've got to get to a point where we're not trying to pray away. So now I did pray, God, please, I want to live. I, I I have so much that I, I want to do, but I went to the oncologist, mm-hmm. right? So we didn't pray my cancer away. I went to the oncologist and got care.
2: Mm-hmm. I
0: want you, you can pray about your depression. You can pray about your anxiety. I will never take that away. I am a woman of faith. Uh, and you can seek care as well.
1: Absolutely. That is so important to remember that it's it, it's an and, you know, not necessarily a yeah. Right. Oh, thank and um, so speaking to, um, you know, taking care of things on our own, I know that there's so many pluses to social media like Instagram or TikTok. But there are also um, I've noticed that with meme culture and, you know, that people being able to get advice in a flash on social media, um, it can be pretty common to see memes promoting mental health and giving mental health and therapeutic recommendations. For example, I'm going to read a post from a popular um, therapist, Nidra Nidra Glover-Tawab, which um, I personally really love her post, But um, and and her advice is clearly valued by millions of people, but I just want to get your opinion on this. Can you talk about the difference between online advice and quotes related to therapy versus like meeting with a therapist in person? And, you know, the quote here says, um, Expecting others to be like you will likely end up in you being disappointed. People will do things differently. Stop expecting you from others. and like that you know, we can give this get snaps, you know, claps, you know, ninety eight thousand likes because it's like, yeah, true. like we get that. Um, but is is that enough? you know, and wow. I, I'm wondering like what um what about quotes like that has us so inspired? um and, but is is that enough what is there a next step after we read a quote mm-hmm. like that or can or can we take that and do something with
0: it yeah uh so there's a um, an, another funny one is don't confuse your google search with my medical degree <laughs> right so <laughs> that's what people you know um so so let me say this and i do not know um uh that the the person you're speaking about uh i celebrate and welcome and appreciate those who are calling it and making it mainstream. That's what we need to do. And we've got to find a way to connect with people. I have to meet you where you are so that you're willing to even listen to me. If I feel so untouchable and, and so unrelatable to your life circumstances that you don't even feel that you can connect. So much of my work is connecting with my patients so that they feel uh, that they can receive what they need from me. Uh, So in this Instagram, TikTok, Twitter generation, um, we've got to find a way to speak social media, right? And and be relatable to the community for them to get that care. Uh, my pastor used to laugh, uh, I always say something, he'd always go, okay, so let me give you what you're gonna tweet today out of today's service. <laughs> and then you can come back after, but we wanted people to hear the tweet, be like, hmm, I want more than that. And so that's the goal. I I think that's what she's trying to do. Draw you in, make it mainstream, make it relatable so that you can then come in and get the meat and potatoes from your therapist. Uh, Now, now people have to be cautious. And again, I do not know the young lady that you spoke about. Um, So this is not at all a slight against her. I don't know her credentials or background. What I will caution the listeners though is ensure that you're checking and verifying the background. There are so many people that are uh, calling themselves life coaches, calling themselves uh, therapists. And so you want to make sure that the person that you're seeking care from is actually a therapist. Don't pay for someone uh, who is not credentialed. Uh, and because someone has a following on TikTok, uh, does not make them a provider of care. Uh, now, many of our providers are using TikTok and using um, uh, social media to normalize, to make it mainstream, Uh, but you wanna just do your your due diligence in in finding that person who you're going to share your most personal information with, uh, so that you can ensure uh, that they're licensed by your state, uh, that there's been some uh, vetting by the, the state to ensure that it's safe for them to care for you. Uh, this is uh this is the clinical and medical work for those who are met in medicine. This is uh medical care, just like any other provider. Uh, and while we're exploring this new stage and age of telemedicine, uh, you don't get your medicine off of Facebook and Google, uh, and TikTok. Uh, don't get your mental health off of Facebook, Google, and TikTok. You can certainly find physicians who are encouraging you to come and seek them in practice, Mm -hmm. Uh, but just be just, again, that's what we talked about early, that parity in the same way that you have expectations and regulation around medical, surgical procedures, we have to do the same for mental health. So we don't want people feeling that mental health can be solved on TikTok
1: yeah, and that's such yeah. a good point that you make um, about you know, you wouldn't get your prescription on TikTok or Facebook, don't get uh, mental health services either. Um, because, you know, and I'm speaking personally for those who are listening, you know, it really is the sort of thing for folks who may be like, this might be the, you're like, I want to try mental health services for me or, you know, my child or my family member. It's the sort of thing where you might dig so deeply that, like, okay, you could make a career change or it could change the way you relate to somebody you've known for years. You know, it could change the way you relate to yourself. It can change your behaviors for better. Um, but, you know, that's when you have someone who is clinically licensed yeah, and approved yes. to help yes. you. Yes. And I say that because in the event, because, um, you know, we have BetterHelp and, and so many tools that help mm-hmm. people gain access, but that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody is licensed, like you said, in your state. And I just want to bring that, continue with that point for a little bit because um, just like someone licensed, can help you for better. If you go with any old body and you don't take those um, steps to make sure that it's someone who's safe to treat you, it could go in a totally different direction.
2: Absolutely. Uh,
1: and, um, you know, when we're talking about pediatric care for children, adults, whatever age, it's just, um, I think this is a great opportunity. Thank you for bringing that up to mention um, that it's important to check the credentials of the person that you're being treated by. Um, and when it comes to that, um, you know, we've talked about the African American community, you know, becoming more open to um, mental health services and, and being eventually being more open and um, there being less stigma around uh, mental health illnesses and diagnosis. And um, that kind of kind of brings me to the question of equality versus equity when it comes to the healthcare system. And so um, before we move into that piece of the conversation. Could you uh, describe to those who may not know the difference between equity and equality?
0: Absolutely. Great question. Um, Equality of, you know, if if we were in person, I'd uh, pull up a a depiction of of a baseball field. And equality is there are these children who are different heights. Um, And so equality uh, the fence is too tall for them to see over. So equality says, give them all a riser and everybody gets the same riser. Where equity is the same, but everybody doesn't need the same riser. And so in this picture, um, there's a child who can actually see over the, the the fence. He doesn't need a riser. So what we do is we take his riser and give it to the child who's so, so short that with just one riser, he still can't see over the fence. We give him two and now he can. And then there's another child on this picture uh, in a wheelchair and we give him a ramp because he still can't do anything with the risers because he's in a wheelchair so he can't step up over them. Equity is giving you what you need so that you can have an equal outcome,
2: Mm -hmm. right?
0: Equal access. Uh, So often we want to give out the same resource but giving out the same resource still may not make Everyone have what they need, right? Uh, I live in in downtown Washington, D.C. There's so many initiatives right now um, uh, that that the the district is doing to revitalize and bring people back to the district. Uh, COVID did a number on downtown businesses relocated. People moved out of the district because you didn't have to come into work anymore. Uh, I have every piece of equipment that Peloton has. So I don't need For my health care, I don't personally need you to put gyms. If I live in downtown DC, I can do whatever I want. I don't need a gym in downtown DC, me personally. Mm -hmm. So what are the things? So equal means you're giving the same resource to everybody. I can manage my health because I have a gym. I have a whole gym at my house, like Mm -hmm. literally. Every piece of equipment, I have it. And so equity says, what does the person need so that the person can have what they... So if we want everyone to have a healthy BMI, what do you need to give this community so that they can have access to the resource to get to that BMI? As opposed mm-hmm. to saying we're gonna just give out equal resources to everyone, because everyone doesn't need the same thing. Does that make sense? Is that clear? yeah,
1: it definitely makes sense, and I think it's so important for for us to um dig into because um when it comes to like you were saying, helping children uh, launch their lives or you know go on a great trajectory, or adults maybe wanting to change their lives to the for the better. um, You know, as as human beings, we work in patterns and sometimes, you know, we may try and get to a different place in life and be like, I'm tired of doing that. I keep making that mistake. I'm going to do something else. Um, And we may go to a common solution. Weight loss is like a perfect example. You know, somebody may be like, I've been trying to lose 20 pounds for the past 20 years and just can't figure out why. Um, You know, but you you may keep going back to Weight Watchers. You may keep saying everybody's saying to do this particular move, you know, and that's going to work. But like, just maybe there's something else going on there. You know, maybe yeah. there's also, you know, a, a time commitment ish, issue or, you know, there could be an access issue. There's no place for you to um, work out in your neighborhood that's inspirational, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Are there sidewalks for you to safely walk? Right. Is there green space? Right. If you live downtown, then have all the green spaces. Right. Where, are there parks that you can go to? Are there gyms? Is there healthy food in their community? When we look at mental health space, I used to often, you know, behavioral activation is actually something that we talk about uh, in our treatment plan, uh, specifically with uh, uh, mild depression. It's just getting up and doing something. Sometimes it's just writing. So we do some behavioral modifications to help you shift that pattern that you're in. Um, and so sometimes literally going for a walk. now nobody wants to come and pay me my hourly rate for me until you go for a walk. so I tend <laughs> to try and give you a little bit more if you come <laughs> but sometimes I will take my patients outside of the office and we walk while we went through their therapy. It's amazing when we have a pediatric we, we do things a little different in pediatrics <laughs> we don't have That's to really do cool. it the same way. Uh, but I would sometimes just take my patients for a walk but guess what? In my office, I had I had an office in a part of the community that wasn't as safe for me to take you for a walk. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? Uh, again, here's equity. How do I get you the resource that you need? But sometimes, and so if your community doesn't have, you know, going back to the community piece, yeah. sidewalks, lights outside, you know, if you live in a, a rural area and we are in the, Unincorporated county and so they're not taxes for street lights and sidewalks. Did you know that? That uh it's the city dollars that actually pay for sidewalks and street lights. So when you live in those unincorporated places, which so many uh people in this country live, there might not be street lights and sidewalks and things for them to walk on. So then how do you have um, um the resources that you need. So if I tell you go for a walk, but you can't go for a walk after six o'clock because it's now dark in the, you know, in the fall and winter, and there are no sidewalks for you to walk on, we've got to come up with a different plan for you. Uh, and so how are we able to best uh um, connect with the things that we need? Um, and how do we identify what our patient needs? As opposed to saying so that they can have the outcome that we want them to have, recognizing that everyone doesn't have the same access or the same resources.
1: Yes. And that um, brings me into my next question regarding uh, patient advocacy. Because, mm-hmm. like you're saying, I, you were saying a, a lot of the great resources Children's Nationals has, and you all are doing really great work based off what I see and, and what you've shared of like making sure it's obvious that. Those resources are there, um, but you know that can't. The same can't be said for every single um, healthcare provider or, or you know, um, hospital in the country, unfortunately. And so, um, when it comes to um, patient advocacy, that's what I really want to dive into, um, so that you could maybe tell listeners a few tips on how to make sure, like, hey, maybe there is a hospital or a health system or a provider that has the resources. And opportunities to provide an equitable experience for a patient, but you may have, you know, busy, overwhelmed nurses, or you may have someone who is just not on their mind to um, teach you, to tell you what's available, or somebody who flat out doesn't care, because that's also an option. Um, so I'm wondering, like, what, uh, can you speak to maybe an example of um, a time that you know of where a patient wasn't cared for properly, maybe, of course, um, you know, we can't do names or anything like that, but a patient that wasn't cared for properly or a story that you've heard and um, an opportunity that that patient may have taken to advocate for themselves that got them access to mm-hmm. um, resources that made their experience more equitable um, or, you know, something similar.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So no hospital that I've ever worked for because I only work for organizations that put the patient first. So uh, that is important. That's something that I seek uh, in my, as I'm interviewing them while they're interviewing me, mm-hmm. uh, I seek to understand that commitment. Okay. Uh, so this is never, so if you go look me up, none of these stories are any places I've ever worked. Um, mm-hmm. but, but let me tell you, here, here's a, I'll, I'll share a story of a family member uh, who I had to be an advocate for Uh, And so I will start this by saying, always, always have an advocate. When you engage in the healthcare system, you are at your most vulnerable, okay? Uh, Mm -hmm. You need an advocate to be able to speak for you uh, so that you can have what you need. So I'm gonna start there. Mm -hmm. Um, A family member uh, was having uh, a third child um, and was, uh, this was a very high risk pregnancy. Mm-hmm. She had some medical complications going in. Uh, African-American woman, uh, we know the unfortunate statistics around African-American women and child, childbirth in this country. Uh, maternal and fetal mortality in America we look like a developing country. Mm-hmm. Uh, our our maternal and fetal um, mortality rates are rising, which is of great concern. Um, and and so uh, in the black community, uh, which is pushing the rates, uh, we're our rates are increasing at such a rate that our the overall rate. But what we know is this is uh, impacting the black community at a much higher rate. Uh, so she was uh, scheduled to deliver um, had. Uh, she and her husband decided to do a divide and conquer. I was going to come uh, and do the support system because they have two younger children. And so husband was going to stay home. Uh, but just in that, that the husband was not there, the hospital made assumptions about this this patient because there was not the husband there. Problem number one you didn't know the patient's chart because you could see this was a married woman who had a, at the time a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Okay. So that the husband stayed home with the three-year-old and the one-year-old should let you know because there's some medical risk with how close this these last two children are. Mm. So you haven't even done your homework hospital uh, and they had re- recently relocated to this community, which is why... Again, have an advocate. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh,
0: So uh, arrive at the hospital, they don't take her weight. uh, And so she's not administered the right anesthesia uh, going into uh, a cesarean. She's not administered the right anesthesia in significant pain. Um, The anesthesiologist, uh, uh, first it was a CRNA and there's no, I, I mean no disrespect to any listener who is a CRNA, uh, but the CRNA struggled. Uh, the anesthesiologist came in. So there were multiple attempts to start the epidural or mm-hmm. to place the epidural. Um, and so, uh, in pain, uh, they did not give her the correct amount of medication. Uh, and so during, uh, the cesarean, you know, the body, you just react to pain, right? Mm-hmm. So she's, trying to get off of the, the table Ugh. because she's in so much pain
1: oh my god
0: uh, so um she is bleeding out in the OR and the baby uh is having problems breathing
2: oh. uh,
0: so here's this mother and and you know they uh, if, if, if you've ever given birth or know anyone who gives birth they tell you you forget right mm-hmm. uh, she, in all the pain she's in she sees her child struggling so she's trying to get to her child to understand what's happening. Oh All of goodness. these people are coming in to treat the baby because the baby is in uh, respiratory distress. Uh-huh. Uh, so you have this swarm of people coming in. This mom who's had two children has never seen this many people coming into the OR. Yeah. So she knows something is wrong. Baby's not crying. People oh. are coming in. She's bleeding out on the table. The situation is, so baby is rushed to the NICU. Mom, you know, they're able to to close mom. And, uh, but I'm seeing the blood volume on the floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, mom is still asking questions about what's happening with the baby. Yeah. Uh, and not getting answers. Fast forward to when we get to the room and the nurse tells mom, well, you just have a C-section. You should be in pain. Oh my goodness! Um, and and continuing, so this situation went from bad to worse with errors, oh, yeah, with the hospital. Uh, so I did what uh, any good advocate should do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I I I went to them and I said, "You need to go and Google who I am because I don't think you know who's in here and mm-hmm. what's not going to happen with this patient." Yeah, now, I can't tell you what's happened before. But you need to go Google to understand. I know everything that's going on, and this won't. This will not continue. Uh, at the time, I was in a very uh, public role, uh, mm-hmm. and 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 the Google receipts had everyone in that patient room the next morning. Uh, mm-hmm. So the CNO, the CMO, the chief administrative officer, everybody was in that patient room uh, because they understood we can have a real big problem with this. Yeah. Now here's the sad thing. Here's the sad thing. Everyone does not have a me that right. can, can say, go Google who I am.
1: Right. Exactly. But
0: everyone has an advocate. And so if you see something going on, you need to speak mm-hmm. up. Um, the unfortunate reality is we've got to speak up. Yeah. You cannot go into these situations alone have someone there there were times where she could not speak Mm -hmm. and so she needed someone to speak for her yeah she couldn't see the blood that was on the floor i saw it right um so you have to have someone who can speak for you everyone won't have my my background as an administrator and a doctor and and so and that's reality right Mm -hmm. but please have an advocate don't be afraid to fight what you know. Uh, any 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 hospital, any doctor who says they know better, you know your body, right? Exactly. Uh, when Serena Williams, Serena Williams uh, was so powerful in how she said, even Serena had to advocate for herself. She says, "I know my breath, my my uh, heart rate. I know my pulse rate. I know those things. I know mm-hmm. something is off. You need to check this. You need to check that." because I know my body better than you.
1: Right, exactly. Advocate for yourself. And what um, is, uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, go that. ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say for someone who um, doesn't have your credentials or maybe mm-hmm. not have experience with speaking up for themselves in the healthcare setting, you know, the white coats, the the scrubs, it could be intimidating. Yeah. yeah. What is yeah. like, you see something going on, you don't feel right about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, every situation is different, of course, but maybe yeah. what is like one conversation starter line that mm-hmm. someone could throw out there? Like, what could you say just to get the attention of the people at the hospital to realize that this is not okay with you and something needs to be done?
0: Let me tell you the magic words. That every hospital, every hospital is accredited by the Joint Commission. You say, "I'm going to make sure that the Joint Commission knows about this thing." Okay, uh, every hospital. Is accredited by the Joint Commission. Don't go to a hospital that's not accredited by the Joint Commission. I say that with a smile. Do not go to a hospital that is not accredited by the Joint Commission. It is the okay. gold standard of hospital accreditation, uh, and 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 certainly in urban settings. You know, if, if you have listeners who are in very rural communities and they don't have um, um, access to. Um, of the large cities and things, Joint Commissioner credits in rural communities, they do, Uh, but sometimes those hospitals may not have the resources to um, uh, even attempt to go through that process. Um, And so for those listeners in rural communities, uh, your state also is is a resource because the state comes in and also um, surveys the hospital. So you can reach out to the state uh, and you can certainly uh, share that you will ensure that Joint Commission is aware of those challenges. Um, while Joint Commission does not, listen, listen. I'm going to tell you out the secret, Joint mm-hmm. Commission doesn't come in and say, we got a call from this patient. So you're really not calling, the, you're not going <laughs> to call Joint Commission. But listen. When you say joint commission, every hospital administrator stands up like, wait a minute, how does she know? What What? What do they know? So yeah. you can't, you, you can't, listen y'all, come in close. You really can't call the joint commission <laughs> and say, I was over there and they did this to me. You can't call them. But when you say that, we jump. Okay. So, so anytime. So I, I told y'all the secret code words <laughs> that scares every hospital administrator. Uh, because Joint Commission is our accrediting body. Uh, and certainly, um, uh, don't be afraid. Listen, we're in the social media. Do not be afraid to go live. If something mm-hmm. is happening, get on social media. Because when things go viral, things change. Yeah. Do not true. be afraid to go live. Do not be afraid to tag your local news stations. Tag, tag the organization because there are people who organizations pay to monitor social media. So mm. tag the organization, tag your local news stations, go live so that we can get out there and help you. Yeah. We can't help you if we don't know. And if you're just doing it, my Facebook page is so private and locked down. Uh, it's not even my real name. It's not a picture <laughs> of me. Uh, it's locked down for a reason. Uh, I So my little 10 friends can't help me because it's, it's only 10 friends. Uh, Not really 10 friends. I, I'm, I'm, I have friends y'all. <laughs> <laughs> but they can't help me because I, I've restricted my social media presence. You've got to tag it and go live so that people can spread it and yeah. get some support.
1: Yes. Thank you for that advice. That's awesome. So y'all heard the keywords. <laughs> 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 I'm going to make sure the Joint Commission here's about this. And you don't know, yes, even you, you call them.
0: <laughs> you say that. Tell them, I, I, I have someone who I can make sure.
1: <laughs> and uh, that's all you got to do It's going to move from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. That's so important. And just remembering those who are listening that nothing, your health is very important. So nothing's mm-hmm. too insignificant to pull that trigger if you feel yeah. really concerned. And Dr. Woodrow, before we end, I just want to know like you're, you're found a wisdom. You've done so much. Is there anything else that you want listeners to know in general regarding mental health, regarding the healthcare system, regarding any actions that we can take collectively to make sure that we are um we are we're prioritizing wellness as a as a culture, especially African Americans and also as a human race?
0: It is not a weakness for me to need help. We all do. Um, this last month in the district has been so overwhelmingly hard for me. Uh, we've had four shootings uh, at schools here in the district, um, and the loss of life mm. of one young child in particular. Uh, it's been it's you know it's been shared far and wide on the on social media. Uh, she and her family were coming back from a Mother's Day celebration and a stray bullet uh, because of some gun activity in the community hit her car. uh, And so the family is together in the car and and this child, a young girl, 10 years old uh, is hit by the bullet uh, in the hospital uh, through Wednesday and and, and passes away on Wednesday after Mother's Day. That hit me so hard. Y'all, I cried so much. I was broken.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: she was not my patient. I didn't know her personally, but her story hit me in a way. Uh, mm-hmm. And I said, and I found myself scared to be outside. Uh, I, I I was sharing, uh, you all can't see me, but I have my new hot girl summer braids in. And um, I remember the night was getting uh, it was getting late in the evening and I was afraid to still be outside. Mm-hmm. The trauma of the shootings that are happening in DC are affecting us all. Yeah, um, I, I won't stand still outside. Mm-hmm. I, I come out to get in the Uber. I make you take me to where I'm going and I hop out of the Uber to go inside. We are scared. Yeah, You are not weak. And so I'm telling you this to say, we are all dealing with it. It is not a weakness that I have, This trauma induced stress, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it is not a weakness that you are struggling, Mm -hmm. it is not a weakness that your child is struggling. Get help, yeah. We are here to support you. Uh, I've left practice to be able to put things in place for providers who want to serve you. There are a whole lot of people, it's not enough of us there are a whole lot of people who want to give care in our community.
1: um, Thank you so much. That is so important. And thank you for those closing words, um, you know, for folks to get help. That your struggle is not abnormal. It's a human experience. And that there are lots of people who do, strangers, y'all, y'all have to know them, um, who do want to help you and who are here to help you. And Dr. Boudreaux, thank you so much. Um, is, is there anything, any resource they want to share or any, mm-hmm. um, you know, place that pe- maybe Children's National, I know that you all serve the district. Is there like a mm-hmm. landing page that folks can go to see what you all are doing? Absolutely.
0: Children's National, uh, so if you can go to childrensnational.org. Uh, there there's so many resources that we have here for the, uh, for the entire DNB. So we have practices uh, in the district, uh, Maryland and Virginia, uh, we have, uh, so please check us out there. Uh, NAMI, uh, you mentioned at the top of the hour, uh, is a wonderful resource for mental health. Um, um, the Association of Black Psychologists, ABC, Psy, uh, is also another uh, resource uh, for the African-American community. Um, and and uh, you can, you know, feel free if there are uh, any listeners who need Uh, resources, happy to share uh, my, um, I uh, also have a consulting uh, uh, practice on the side, happy to share uh, my consulting, uh, and I I still answer those emails, and still uh, check in with people there, so also uh, happy to be a resource, there's something you want to ask, if something didn't feel right, you want confirmation about how you should move forward, happy to be a resource to the listeners there as well.
1: Wonderful. I'm going to drop all of those details in the show notes to those who are listening. Dr. Boudreaux, thank you so much for your time Absolutely. and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. So what'd you think? How will you take what you learned today on the Ed Gap Evolution podcast to make sure that more children and families know that they have more options for building a magnificent future? If you like what you heard and want to get notified when the next episode goes live, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll notify you when the next episode is out. Don't forget to check the show notes where I share information on today's guests, and yes we do have a website you can always pop in on us at www.eggapevolution.com again i'm mariah phillips and i leave you with this embrace the evolution y'all